seems like every time you turn a corner, turn on the news, there's something else that points to this world is just falling apart. I think times right now, probably in my 42 years of living, it's probably the darkest times in America that I can remember. And it may have been worse when I was younger, maybe I wasn't so in tune to it, didn't understand what was going on, but um, I feel like right now what's going on in our culture and our times is a very dark time. There's concern is high. We have economic problems, we have international problems, there's social problems, there's cultural problems, there's spiritual problems, there's relational problems. We have problems troubling our nation and our world at every turn. Would you, would you not agree with that? I mean, that's what's happening in our culture today. But I find it interesting that even in the darkest times, God always has a voice of hope and speaks a voice of hope. In 2 Chronicles 15, when things were dark in Israel, he brought along a preacher by the name of Azariah. And I, Azariah, had these words of hope to say the king at the time. The king at the time, his name was Asa, and the entire nation. And it was a very dark time where people were not following God, and sin was running rampant. Very similar to what we experience today. Look at what the scripture says in Second Chronicles. He went out, being Azariah, to meet Asa, the king, and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. For a long time Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, you can put in there, in their hard times, in their difficulties, when sin was running running rapid, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought Him, and He was found by them. I think it's time to turn to the Lord. It's time for a nation to seek Him. It's time for the church to go back to truly seeking Him and not just playing church. It's time to get off of Facebook and get in the book. It's time for us to really seek who is the Lord. Who is God? And Jesus taught His disciples how to do that in prayer. We're going to continue our journey through the Sermon on the Mount called called this the prayer series because we need to learn from Jesus how to seek God in times of distress, how to seek God in difficult times. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. My prayer is this for us as we go through this series together. My, My prayer is that in my distress or in hard times around us that I turn to the Lord. And that you turn to the Lord. It is my prayer that for you in times of distress, in times of difficulty, that you would turn to the Lord. It is my prayer that our church in a time of distress in our culture, that we would turn to the Lord. That our city, that our county, that our state, that our country, that we would turn to the Lord. And you can sit and watch the news and the latest debates about the homosexual issues, about Kim Davis, about this happening and that happening. And I'll tell you what the answer is. The answer is that we as a nation need to turn to the Lord. Look at what Jesus taught his disciples about turning to God in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, 
Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, I could spend time in this section. I've decided not to because I want to get into what Jesus teaches very specifically in the Lord's Prayer. But in summary, if you look at verses 5 through 8, three verses, I think it's pretty uh, simple to summarize. Jesus is just saying, don't be showy and keep it simple. Comes your prayer life, don't be showy about it, keep it simple. And then he goes into saying, here's how you simply pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. Now I imagine that most of us in this room, if not all of us in this room, at some time or another have heard that prayer quoted or said or shared. I would doubt that in our American culture that we haven't at least heard that at some time. Many of us can pray that prayer without even thinking about it. Our Father in heaven, how, you know, and you just ramble that on. And sometimes that's what we do when it is spoken or shared in a public setting. And sometimes we just go through it. Well, everyone's praying this prayer, so let's just pray it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we go through it, and do we really stop and think about what we're actually praying? I I want us to break this prayer down. I want us to break it down and really get the meaning behind the prayer. So over the next seven weeks, we're going to tear this prayer apart. And we're going to try to get to some of the heart of the issues of what's going on as Jesus is teaching His disciples piece by piece. Everything we need to make it through the times that we live in are in this prayer. Absolutely everything. Every possible thing you need for life is in the Lord's Prayer. Do you understand that? Everything that we need to walk in this life is in the Lord's Prayer. When you understand the Lord's Prayer, you won't just pray it, you will start to live it. And it's so much more than just some words that we quote or something that we repeat together. It's a way to live our lives. So today I want to begin with the first phrase, actually the very first part of the first phrase, Matthew 6, 9. This is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, how will be your name? Now sometimes, I've heard little kids messing this one up. One child thought, thought it said, Our Father in heaven, Harold be your name. Another child thought... Didn't understand. I said, our Father in heaven, how do I know your name? And sometimes that's where we are. How do I really know your name? Today I want us to look at that first phrase, our Father. Two words. I mean, when Jesus said we're to pray to God as our Father, He broke all the rules. He started to really change. Remember, again, He goes from tying back the Old Testament Jewish law comes the New Testament and he's teaching them how to have a live in a grace-filled world and he changes everything. Jesus exploded the stereotypes about who God is in two simple words when he said, Our Father. See, until Jesus came to earth, God came to earth in human form in Jesus to let us know what he's like. And, and nobody really knew what God was and that God was a father. That's not how they addressed him. You wouldn't know that God was your father except for the fact that Jesus Christ came. See, in thousands of years covering the Old Testament part of the Bible, God is called father only seven times in Scripture. 
And thousands of years only referenced seven times. People just didn't think of God as Father. That was not their mindset. They thought of Him as other things, as Creator, as Almighty One, sometimes as King, and on and on. But they never really referred to Him as Father. Jesus comes along and says, this is how you should pray. Call Him Father. Brings in an intimacy. Brings in a closeness. And over 150 times in the New Testament, Jesus addresses God as Father, and He then passes that on to us and says, if you are in Christ, He's your Father as well. Exploding all the stereotypes that He's not an angry tyrant. Exploding the stereotype that He's not a cosmic cop, or he's not a killjoy. He's not an impersonal force. He's not all these other things that people want to make God out to be. He's basically saying, listen, God is a person and not a power. And he's a person that you and I can have a relationship with and a very intimate relationship with. The reason you and I even have personhood, the reason that you and I are a person is because you were recreated in the image of God. And God is a person. That makes you different from the animals. God is a personal God and has the ability of relationship with us. And He created you with the ability to have a relationship with Him because God is a person, not a power. He is a Father. He's not some cosmic force that's just out there in the sky. It's really good news when you understand it. I can't relate. And I don't think you probably can relate to some impersonal force. I can't relate to someone disembodied, who's kind of ooey-gooey, spirit of the sky, so to speak. I mean, what is that? I think you and I can relate to personality. We can relate to a person because we can understand why I can get to know him and he can get to know me. I mean, I can connect with him and he can connect with me. I can have a relationship with God as Father. But there's only one problem. And it's a problem I want to deal with today because I think it's a major hindrance in our walk with God. For many, the word father is a negative term. And I think we've got to address that right off front because our prayer lives are going to be blocked or stymied or hurting or struggle if we struggle with the term father. See, for many people, the word father brings up all kinds of bad memories. Some of you are already thinking that when I'm talking about saying our father, and some of you are already thinking, I don't want to talk about fathers. Bad connotations, hurts, difficulties, problems, difficult experiences, deep father wounds. A lot of people say, our Father who art in heaven, if God is like my Father, then no thanks. I don't want anything to do with Him. Because when we start thinking about a Father, what does our mind go to? Right away, our mind goes to our earthly Father. For a lot of people, their only idea of a Father is when Mom would say, you just wait till your Father gets home. And sometimes then that's our view of God. The truth is, human fathers can make home hell on earth and the truth is our human fathers can actually destroy our walk with our heavenly father human fathers they can be fickle they can be moody they can be abusive they can be domineering they can be controlling they can be angry they can be demanding they can be selfish and self-centered and vicious and violent and aloof and all kinds of different things so when we say our father in heaven a lot of times we carry baggage with that word In fact, I'll tell you quite frankly that I think your biggest problem with God is not a problem with God, but if there's a problem or a roadblock, it's a problem that probably ties back to your father and your relationship with your dad. 
See, you've taken a lot of things in a baggage from growing up, and you have unconsciously, we unconsciously, not consciously, we, we don't mean to do it on purpose, we unconsciously place our attitudes and our, and our thoughts about God according to how our dad treated us, according to how our fathers treated us. It's no wonder sometimes that people have a difficult time getting to know him, getting to know him as our father, because there's a roadblock there. We transferred all the mixed-up feelings and hurts and emotions onto God. We impose them on God, and it's no wonder we have a hard time sometimes connecting with God. We say, I know that He loves me, and I want to connect with Him, but how do I develop that relationship because there's a roadblock, and the roadblock ties back to our earthly fathers? For instance, if you grew up with an unreasonable father, you're going to tend to think that God is unreasonable. Not consciously, but unconsciously. You're going you're to tend to think that God's demands are unreasonable or, or unmeetable or unattainable. You're going to think, why even try? I can never please my dad. And so how can I please a Heavenly Father? And that can become a roadblock. It can make life miserable trying to live that way. And sometimes if we think our dads were unreasonable or killjoys, we put that mindset on God, that God's kind of a killjoy. On the other hand, if you grew up with a father that was unreliable, someone who said, I will be there, and they don't show up, someone who made promises and left empty promises, then you may have a hard time trusting God. Will God really take care of me? I mean, in fact, if you grew up with an unreliable father, I think you're naturally predisposed towards worry. And sometimes the relationship with our, with our earthly father sets us up towards that. We tend to worry more than other people because you don't think people can be trusted because if you couldn't trust your dad, then you worry about how I'm going to trust other people. You grew up with a father who says, I'll do this, and they didn't do it. So you tend to think God can't be trusted and God can't be depended on. God won't keep his promises, and so you worry more than you need to worry. Maybe you grew up with a father who is just unconcerned. He was there, but he was just maybe distant. You're going to tend to think of God as the same way. I believe in God. He's not really involved in my life. He's some being that's kind of off there, but does he really, is he really concerned about me? Does he really care about me? He's cold. He's, he's uninvolved. He's too busy to bother me. And that's maybe because of your relationship with your own earthly father. You're going to think that God feels the same way. Or if you grew up with an unpleasable father, that no matter what you did, it just wasn't good enough. You just couldn't live up to the standard. No, how much, no matter how much you cheated, it was like there's always more, always more to do. Then you're going to tend to think that God is that way. You're going to feel, tend to feel that He's always upset at you and that you cannot make Him happy. And who wants somebody around who you can't make happy? Who, who's never pleased with you? And so what do you do? Growing up, maybe it was I'd avoid my dad, so then it transferred the relationship with God. Well, I'll just avoid him. Yeah, he's out there, but let's just live in our separate worlds. Group up with the unpleasable father, you tend to carry around a lot of guilt, unnecessary guilt, unnecessary shame, unnecessary regrets. You tend to put all that on God the Father. Why am I going into this? Why take the time to talk of this? Because here in America, What's been going on in our culture is right now that 25% of all white children are growing up without the presence of their father in a home. 25%. We now have in our nation that 50% of all Hispanics growing up without the presence of their father in their home. 
And we now have in our nation almost 75% of all African-American kids, black kids, growing up without the presence of their father in the home. And it's no wonder we don't understand God. It's no wonder we don't get what it's like to say our Father who art in heaven because fathers are absent and not even involved. And because we don't have that kind of connection, many kids growing up today have very little connection to their father. Hear me on this. Dads, your involvement in your child's life and how you care for your children will highly impact the rest of their life and their walk with God. Will highly impact that. And today, quite possibly, you're in a situation where you're going, I haven't been the greatest dad. I struggle. Now's the time to change it. No matter how old your child is, to seek God and say, God, I want to be a loving father that you want me to be. Rather, you've gone through divorce and you don't have your kids in your home to say, I'm going to do my best to love them as much as I possibly can and be involved in their lives. The information I'm sharing with you today comes out of a study by Dr. Paul Vitz, professor of psychologist at New York University. He wrote a book called The Faith of the Fatherless. And he did a study of all the famous atheists throughout history, 60 or 70 or so of the most famous atheists. I'm talking about Sigmund Freud, Karl Marx, Bertrand Russell, all the very well-known atheists around history. The only thing that, they, that he could find that they had in common, get this, the only thing they could find that they had in common is that all of them hated their dad. Relationship with their father was distant and gone and non-existent. The dads were dead or demeaning and demanding, and they did not have a natural connection with their father. And just wonders, because there's no natural connection with father on earth, and there's no way I can connect with a father who is a God that I can't see. So today, with the rest of our time together, in a few minutes we have, I want to help you understand what God is really like. I believe no matter where you're at today in your walk with God, it ties back to your relationship with your Father. If your relationship with God is on fire, I would guess your relationship with your, heaven, or with your earthly Father is very healthy. And if your relationship with God and your prayer life is kind of at a roadblock and kind of stuck, I would imagine there's probably something maybe in your history with your father or even currently going on right now, no matter how old you are, with your dad, that you look at that and it's affecting you. So Dave, the rest of the time I want to spend your time, what is God really like? I want you to know the truth of what God the Father is really like. That even if you have a father that is distant or demanding or that you don't have a relationship, I want you to know the truth because the truth will set you free. And the truth will open up new relationships with who you are and who you can be in God. Misconceptions keep us disconnected from God. What I want you to do is I want, I want to help, help you trade misconceptions and a myth about what God is really like for the truth. When you really know Him, when you really know who God is as a Father, I think we can't help but love Him when we really know who He is. What's God really like? God is a great Father, and you can talk with Him. I want you to understand that today. He is a great Father, and you can talk with Him. And I understand that in this room, when we, if we were to line up all of our dads in front of us, there would be multiple stories and multiple relationships. 
But I want you to know that God is a great Father and you can talk with Him. And we can talk with God because the Bible tells us, I think, four characteristics that are highly important. One is He's a caring Father. God loves you more than you will ever know. You are His prized possession. If He has a mantle, your picture is on it. If He has a a photo album, it's full of pictures of you and me. As he flips through, he's going, that's my child, and I love them. And I love how artistic they are, and I love how creative they are, and I love what they look like, and I love how they behave. Because as God flips through his photo book of all his children, he's pleased with each and every one of us. And he cares about us right where we are. He loves you and me more than we will ever be able to comprehend. Psalm 103.13 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who honor him. He has compassion for you, which means he cares about everything going on in your life. Which means he doesn't have a scale that says you have to do this and this and this, and when you do that, then I will love you. He loves you right where you are. And He cares about us right where we're walking and whatever journey we are in. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. He wants to carry our burdens. He wants to carry our anxieties. He wants to carry our troubles and our hardships. Why? Because He cares about us. Matthew 6, 31-32 says, So don't worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we wear? Your Heavenly Father knows you need these things. How does He know? Because he cares about us. Just as a mom or dad you would hope would know, hey, my child needs food, my child needs clothes, my child needs medical help, my child needs da-da-da, fill in the line. God knows all that before we even speak it, before we even think it. Remember the account in Scripture, disciples are in a boat with Jesus and going to the other side of the lake and a storm rose up. And the storm was so big, it's tossing a boat left and tossing a boat right. And what is Jesus doing? Jesus laying in the boat and he's sleeping. The disciples are freaking out, and they wake Jesus up, and they say, Jesus, don't you see the storm? I mean, basically what they're saying is, Jesus, don't you care? Jesus, we're about to die. We're in this crazy storm, and we're about to die. Don't you care? I I think sometimes we ask God those kinds of questions. We ask questions like, did you see the health report? Don't you care? Or, Or we ask questions like, did you see what the doctor just said? I mean, don't you care? Or do you see my marriage and the mess that I'm in? Don't you care? Do you see how empty our bank account is? God, don't you care? Don't you see my struggles my kids are having in school? God, don't you care? We walk through life and we have these struggles just like the disciples. I'm a boat. Life is tough. Struggles, they wake them up. Jesus, what are you going to do? And we ask the question, God, do you care? When you look at Scripture, we see that our Father is a God who cares. He cares about what's going on in your marriage. He cares about what's going on in your finances. He cares about the stress that you're going into tomorrow at work. He cares about what you're dealing with at school. He cares about uh, health challenges that you're facing. He cares about every part of your life. And we can cast all those anxieties upon Him. I think a second characteristic that helps us understand God as a father is that he's a consistent father. This is really important, especially when everything is changing around us. He is a consistent father, that he will never let us down, that he can be counted on, that he's dependable, that he's reliable, that he's trustworthy. Now, that's a hard thing to connect with. 
if we have a father that sometimes wasn't consistent or dependable or trustworthy. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from the Father who does not, get it, who does not change like shifting shadows. That's consistency. Human fathers can be unpredictable. I, I'm unpredictable as a human father. Does any other dad agree? Can you raise your hand? Are you in my club? There are days I get out of bed and I'm happy-go-lucky and I'm ready to go. And there are days I get out of bed and my kids probably think, what got inside of him because he's about ready to kill somebody. There are days the day was great throughout the day and I think I'm going to go home and it's going to be wonderful. And by the time I walk in the door, I'm ready to hurt somebody. It's, I, we're, we're unpredictable as human fathers. But, but here's the cool thing. God is never moody. God is consistent. He's never had a bad day. He's never woken up on the wrong side of the bed, so to speak. I mean, the Scripture tells us that He does not change. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, Even if we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot disown Himself. So when you think about the character quality as a God, He's not going to move away from those. Why? Because He's all perfect, and we're not. And so even though we say, I want to be loving and kind and gracious and patient, we move away from those things because we are unfaithful, but He is faithful. He's consistent. You don't have to get up thinking, is God going to get mad at me today? You don't have to get up thinking, does He care today? You don't have to get up thinking, is He going to strike me dead today? You don't have to get up thinking, am I going to displease Him today? Because He's so consistent, so faithful, He's consistent in His love for you, and it does not change. Psalm 59.10 says, my God is changeless, I love it, changeless in His love for me, according to the Living Bible. It doesn't change. He continues to love you wherever you're at in your journey with Him. He's caring, He's consistent, and He's a close Father. He's not distant. He's not far away. He's not aloof. In the book of Acts, in Paul's testimony, he said this. He said, God did, did, did this. All, you know what he's talking about is all the things of history so people would reach out for him and find him since he is not far from each of us. He's close to all of us. According to Psalm 145.18, says, The Lord is near to all who call on him. In other words, he's not too busy for you or for me. According to Matthew 7.11, it says, If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who, who ask Him? In other words, He will meet our needs. Because He's close to us. He's sympathetic to our hurts. Psalm 34.18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Close to the brokenhearted. And say those who are crushed in His Spirit. Do you realize when you're going through tough times of life, God even is closer we just draw to Him. Sometimes we've grown up with a father who was hard to get close to, maybe. Maybe you grew up with a father who didn't express emotions, didn't show love, didn't, was, was in the room, but not there in fullness. God is close to you. He's close to us. He cares about our needs. He's sympathetic to our hurts. He's a caring father, a consistent father. He's close, and He's a competent father. I think this is really big when facing big problems. That he's a competent father. He can handle any problem you give him. 
And sometimes we think, oh no, my problems are too big. The reason why we think my problems are too big is because we, we grew up with a father who couldn't handle problems. If you were ever scared to go to your father when difficulties came as you were growing up as a child, I, I can remember growing up when I crashed my dad's truck, backing into a light pole because I was goofing around pulling a prank. I was terrified to go to my dad. I mean, it was kind of hard to avoid when he sees a big old bent bumper bent in almost half. Life messes up. You don't have to be scared to go to our Heavenly Father. See, he, He's competent. He can handle our situations. He can handle, handle the good we bring Him and the bad we can handle. Nothing is beyond His ability. Nothing is too hard for Him. And dad, look, dads, let me just warn you. Now is the best time to prepare for your children's failures. Prepare before they happen. If you prepare before they happen, then you already have a response ready to go. You say, what, what, what do you mean by that? Well, when your child comes and says, hey, mom and dad, uh, or you find out, because they're probably not going to tell you, that they've been involved with some drugs or behaviors not proper, are you going to freak out on that? Or you already thought through, when my child comes and tells me, hey, I've been involved in, and you fill the blank, that you already prepared your response. I'm going to put my arms around them. I'm going to tell them I love them. I'm going to tell them there's grace. I'm going to tell them there's forgiveness. I'm going to tell them I'm going to walk with them. I'm going to tell them that I'm ready to help them on a journey, and what they're doing is not God's plan for them, but I'm going to help them through that. If you're already prepared for that, when those trials come, you'll be ready to handle those a whole lot better. See, God's already prepared for all of our shortcomings. He's competent to handle our challenges and our trials. Luke one thirty seven says, For nothing is impossible with God. That doesn't say just some things. That doesn't say He can handle most things. That says nothing is impossible for God. And Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do far more than we'd ever ask or dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. He's competent. He can handle what's going on in our lives. He is a caring father. He is a consistent father. He is a close father. He's a competent father. And if we can embrace those thoughts, then our prayer lives can start to open up. Our connection with God can start to open up. And I'm telling you, quite possibly, as we go on this journey with prayer, quite possibly you could be in a spot of being stuck because of your walk with your earthly father. I want to close with two thoughts today. One is this. If you were raised with a great father, then praise God. If you were raised with a dad who modeled Jesus Christ in your home, if you were raised with a dad who loved you with everything you possibly love you, if you were raised with a dad who pointed you towards our, our Heavenly Father, embrace it and celebrate it and be thankful. Don't overlook that. Don't take it for granted. Because I think sometimes we can take that for granted. Don't take your upbringing of a dad who taught you about Jesus for granted. Be thankful and praise your Heavenly Father for that. Secondly, if you were raised with a, an abusive father, or a distant father, or an untrustworthy father, an aloof father, a, a workaholic father, a, a poor example of a father, I just want to tell you I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's happened in your life, but I want you to also know we have a Father whose name is God who cares about you, who 
is consistent in his love, who is competent to handle your problems, who's close, and he wants you to trust him. He wants you to trust him with, with your life. And how you say, how do I know that? I know that because our Heavenly Father gave us His one and only Son, Jesus, to die on a cross. And any father who's willing to give up His one and only Son to die on a cross to cover our sins so that we can be saved, I know He loves you. And I know He loves me. And I know that even though maybe our earthly fathers weren't quite so there or weren't quite so perfect or so right, I know our Heavenly Father says, I love you enough that we can restore what's been broken. And so we're going to celebrate that in communion this morning. We're going to celebrate the fact that there is a Father, and His name is God in heaven, who we can talk with, who we can commune with, who we can celebrate with, who we can look to to be that caring, loving Father maybe that we've always desired. So as we continue in this journey, on this idea of prayer, I want you to know there's a Father you can trust. And His name is God. Heavenly Father, God, Daddy, Papa, thank You that You love us. Thank You that You're consistent. Thank You that You're caring. Thank You that You're competent. Thank You that even in spite of the fact that maybe there's been some challenges on earth with our earthly Father, we have a Heavenly Father who loves us so much He gave us Jesus. And Father, we need You in our lives. Help us to draw close. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.